Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mind Virus Podcast. I'm Bobby Flood. I'm here with my co-host, Jordan Bruno. How's it going? It's another Monday. Yeah. Monday, February 8th. 8th. February 8th, 2001. Super Bowl Monday. Super Bowl Monday. Lots to, lots to talk about if you're a football fan, which I am, but we're not going to talk about football per se today. I, I did think it was uh, sort of poetic justice that Tom Brady, the white guy who's been maligned much by the establishment over the last couple of weeks, comes in, handily wins his uh, seventh Super Bowl. Now, I didn't watch it. I didn't realize it was on until uh, late last night and checked the score. And um, and then you reminded me about the, the uh, always symbolic halftime shows this morning. Um, but uh, the news was Tom Brady didn't wear a mask, which right. is a topic that's dear to your heart. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know they they in big in big games there there's always a camera on the entrance tunnels or the gates or wherever where these stars walk in to the arena. Usually three four hours before the game. Oftentimes the athletes will use that opportunity to show off their fashion or make some kind of a. A statement, you know, um, LeBron James will come in in a in a very nice tailored suit, or or one time LeBron James came in in a very nicely tailored suit that had shorts instead of pants, and he he looked like a school child or something. But so this was at the Super Bowl. So no, no, that was for one of his his, uh, his games. His so games, athletes okay. in general, the media love to film them, you know, getting ready. And walking into the arena. Like, so this happens regularly now where they, they yeah. make a show of coming to any game. So, and this was... Is that the, right? Right. So it's like a fashion show coming to the game. Right. Okay, I didn't know this. That's amazing. Right. That, it's typical, I think I it's guess. more. I think it's more, uh, more prominent in the NBA where fashion, I think, is caught on a little more. But it, it happens in... It doesn't happen with baseball. I don't think anybody cares what <laughs> a white guy from Iowa is going to wear to his pregame baseball routine. But, but anyway... Tom Brady walks in to the stadium yesterday and and he's not wearing a mask and of course that triggered people uh one, hugely. One I saw one one uh tweet take it for what it's worth it's a tweet I don't even remember who posted it but this this person was complaining that he he didn't use his status and the opportunity to set an example and wear a mask and mm-hmm. I thought what if he was using this opportunity to set clearly. an example by Very not clearly. wearing a mask? And of course, Florida, where the Super Bowl was played, uh, has has not been wearing masks like the rest of the country. Yeah, and and Brady, of course, prides himself on being a healthy guy and Very healthy, a, a regular guy. You know, even though he's wealthy beyond belief, and uh, but he's like this. Uh, Whatever whatever he guy wants to be, uh, married to a super mo- supermodel and uh, 
seven-time Super Bowl winner. Right. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> right. So it, it cements his position as the greatest quarterback, perhaps the greatest player of all time in the NFL, statistically uh, and uh, what success-wise, I guess, is the well, word. Well, no one's – I think second – I think the second most Super Bowl wins by a quarterback is three, I think. Is that Montana? I think it was Montana and... Uh, Terry, doesn't Terry others. Bradshaw have four? Maybe Bradshaw has with four. With the Steelers? But no one thinks of Bradshaw when they think of those Steelers. They think of the, <laughs> the Iron Curtain defense, which maybe we'll have to rename that defense. It's offensive to the Iron Curtain. To the communists. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, a good point. <laughs> Of course, Florida is, in general has triggered a lot of people, including Anthony Fauci, who when Governor DeSantis, I think sometime in the fall or maybe August, said, we're done with this, you know, no more mask mandates, we're opening up our economy. And, and of course, the doomsayers came out in force and said that Florida was going to kill us all. Florida's done quite well from a COVID perspective, much better than... New York and California, despite having an older population. Florida, of course, is a retirement community, lots of retirement communities. And last night, you know, there's a lot of people celebrating in the streets, maskless. Lots. There was a video. Wait, 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 wait. where's the super spreader? Um, Okay, so January 6th was the big riot. About a million people in D.C. is my guess. Now, none of the... um, by the way, we're going to talk about symbolism today. We're not going to talk about current events all day, but uh, <laughs> we got we got big plans. You know that we never podcast. take a straight line anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to get somewhere. <laughs> we'll have some interesting title on our website with a picture and some sources. You can you can count on that. Mindvirus show. That's right. Anyway, I, I want to know where's the fallout? Where are all the extra cases from the millions of people super spreading on January sixth? Is that now a, a memory hold, non history? thing because right. all, all that was was a violent attack on our capital, a deadly attack even. That's what they're saying. A deadly deaths resulted. Um, so when that that event, as we have talked about, is further being used to inflame this idea that the government needs it the government needs to take extreme measures against domestic terrorism equal to those that we have taken against uh, international terrorism. Like uh, drone attacks on people like uh, Bobby Flood for thinking the wrong thing. Yeah, let's keep in mind our response to international terrorism has been drones, drone strikes at weddings and funerals, drone strikes against civilians, drone strikes against uh, unconfirmed targets, a lot of American troops dead in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, let's not forget Pat Tillman, who was uh, suicided by friendly fire. Right. And it appears to have been intentional because he he was uh, voicing his concerns about the justice, the morality of the Iraq War. Uh, Pat Tillman, Tillman, if you don't know, I think he was a linebacker for the Cardinals, right. and he. So since it's a Super Bowl Monday, Pat Tillman uh, doing a little memorial for Pat Tillman, I think would be appropriate. The guy was what I would think of as a true American patriot. He quits his job as a as uh, a NFL professional player, football professional player. football player, and not just a, a regular Joe. He was a pretty good pl- player. I don't wouldn't call him a superstar, but the uh, military wanted to make like a 
a hero out of him, and he was he was uh, very resistant to them using him. He just wanted to go out and fight the bad guys because of 9-11. So this is about 2002, three, I think. This right. is er- really early on, and he, he believed the, the mainstream media. That was his uh, main mistake, and he got over there. He, he got into special forces in the Army, if I remember right, and there's a documentary done on this, uh, how he was killed by friendly fire, and the issue is whether it was intentional or not because he had begun writing home and voicing his disapproval and they were very concerned that he was going to come out publicly against the war and even after his death they propagandized or or, uh, promoted his earlier views contrary to his own will they uh, used him they used him as a recruiting tool really and they used his death as a recruiting tool Um, and it it sheds some light on the long partnership that the NFL and the U S armed forces have had to the point where the government, the defense department, it actually pays the NFL money to promote the armed forces. And so you have these games where coaches are all in camouflage, you know, military Mm -hmm. garb. You have the flyovers, the flyovers. Yeah. You have these appreciation nights and stuff, and, and and keep in mind the NFL makes money hand over fist, and they used have, to, <laughs> right before they got woke. And and it'll be interesting in long term or the midterm, you know, maybe in the next four to five years to see if the sports leagues continue to make money hand over fist. But the NFL makes a lot of money, and the government is paying the NFL to promote their message that alone um, is a problem so um like jordan mentioned we're going to talk about symbolism and and the reason we bring up football and the super bowl is because the super bowl halftime show has a long long history and tradition of bizarre symbolism symbolism and messaging and yeah. yesterday was no different I yeah i can't really remember Right off the top of my head, you know, we're totally just flying by the seat of our pants here in these podcasts. Uh, someday, if you, the, if you the listeners make this like a big podcast by spreading the word, maybe we'll put a little effort into it. Maybe do a little research, but <laughs> okay, I just, well, we, we actually fi- do spend some time. 15 minutes before we were recording today, Jordan texted me and said, topic, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we, 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 we have actually put in some effort. I, I hope that... Uh, it's true. We yeah, that, that is true. So, but we could put in more effort. We do, let's just say we don't have a uh, we don't have an enumerated list or outline of topics that we have to get to, and, and we're, we're we are kind of uh, going off the cuff here, trying to have a conversational discussion. But yeah, there's there's a lot of research that we could do, and uh, Super Bowl halftime shows. The one I'm remembering is the Madonna one, and I can't remember how many years ago that was, but it was in an, an Egyptian setting, and there were. Uh, just like last night, there were people that were masked, people whose humanity had been taken away, right? Because I guess this guy, what's the name of the guy? Was it, is the guy's name Raymond James that did last night's no, halftime see, show? That's a, that's is an that the name of the point. stadium? That's the name of the stadium. And I'm, no wonder and I'm not finding anything. The guy who did it last night is called The Weeknd. 
And this will, okay, this okay, will reveal okay. this will reveal some of my uh, pop culture knowledge. I'd never heard of. That's him, good because you're the pop culture specialist here. I guess he's super popular. I was also equally confused by the pregame musical anthem that preceded the national anthem was performed by someone called Her, H E R with periods, you know, an acronym H E R, and we need to look up what that stands for because it. I remember my. It being something interesting, but I'd never heard of her either. Um, but the the Raymond James Stadium is the name of the stadium, and I found it odd that at the beginning of the Super Bowl halftime show, when everything is quite dark, oh, name her is, her name means having everything revealed. See, the, okay, the, so these these guys are a lot. They're into this uh, esoteric symbolism, and they they flaunt it. You know, they'll they'll make the uh, uh, Egyptian symbols, the uh, eye in the in the triangle, all the time, and I, I've wondered when you look into it, when you start to watch what they're doing, it's very, it's in a lot of cases very, very well informed, in my opinion. I consider myself a fairly well informed symbologist, uh, in a way, not not quite uh, the the level of say dr langdon from the da vinci code right <laughs> who's the who's the professor the uh, credentialed professor but this is a this is a ma- been a matter of a great deal of study for me and okay so her means h dot e dot r it's a lady named gabriella sarmiento wilson uh she's born in 1997 so she's in her 20s and she's very popular and her re, re uh, her stands for having everything revealed. And that's what they're doing in these, in a lot of these music videos and like halftime shows, whatever they're revealing things. And I I don't know what to make. I like, I'm not sure why, you know, why, why are more people not talking about how, how, crazy this is is it because mtv slowly dipped us in it in the 80s and it, it got it went from more of a storytelling video to a a, a symbolic um yeah maybe illuminati maybe. style video i mean i think I, I it could have it could be in some cases i'm not sure if they're being really intentional like they're trying to tell us something or if they're just trying to pay homage to the music establishment to the to the power structure by saying, "Oh, we we want to be Illuminati too." So here's a pyramid with a with an eye. Yeah, here's the, a here's so some a lot of that symbolism. iconography has become just uh, sort of popular like motifs. Like, oh, let's like that's it, cool. It let's adds put, mystery, and the kids yeah, let's, kids love let's it add because this. it's like, oh, it's it's dangerous. And it, it, it's probably that this woman, her, uh, she probably doesn't. I'm sure being in her early 20s, she can't know what she's really. She, she probably didn't even choose that name. Right. You the know, question are who are her producers, who are her handlers? Right. Right. And, you know, names like that, these show names like The Weeknd. You know, okay. Who, here who, it is. Competing on Radio Disney, the next big thing. A lot of these people are related to Disney when they're kids. That's how they get their yeah, start. Disney brings up a lot of these, like Britney they gr- Spears. They groom them. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Um, the weekend, uh, he he. I don't know his real name, but he's the guy who performed the halftime show. We we thought we with some of the people I was watching the game with. We thought, well, could we one up him by 
renaming ourselves the three-day weekend <laughs> or the holiday weekend. His name is Abel Mackinnon Taysefe, born in 1990. He's a Canadian singer, noted for his versatility in vocal style, music production, and eccentric presentation. Well, it was eccentric. And so I guess you brought up the masks that were shown in his halftime show. These were not like medical masks. These were strange. When I say medical, they were not um, like COVID style masks. These were more like a bandage, like a burn victim, where really only their eyes were revealed. The rest of their head and face was covered in these white bandages, which imitates what he wore to some award show recently after he had some surgery on his face oh madonna was 2012 by the way okay 2012 important year because he had the uh, london olympics 2012 london olympics opening ceremony which is which deserves its own deep dive that 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 deserves yeah today's consider today's episode an introductory uh discussion and probably more on topic of kind of what we want to make this podcast into. Uh, We got a little distracted early on. I won't say distracted. We're always distracted by current events. But current events (laughs) were so, uh, they were so prominent. Important. Over the the course of, you know, December, January with some of the election stuff and and COVID and other things. By the way, quick side note. Okay. Now we're like on, we're two side notes off because I totally sidetracked you. COVID cases, COVID cases are dropping everywhere. And the KSL, the local news outlet, picked up a, I think, a Reuters story. Reuters? Reuters? I say Reuters, but you can say Reuters. I've always said Reuters. Anyway, picked up a Reuters story that uh, despite the drop in cases, uh, this is not a sign. This, the drop in cases is not a good sign. And we shouldn't be uh, optimistic about a drop in COVID cases. They they compared it to being in the eye of the hurricane. So What? <laughs> So <laughs> it's springtime. Okay, now we're okay. Now we got a link to because this is mind blowing. Okay, you, the listeners, probably already know what's going on, but the World Health Organization a couple of weeks ago came out with guidance that the PCR testing cycle counts over what 32 were too high or they something. They basically admitted that the PCR tests are fraudulent and easily manipulated and had new guidance that said you need they recommended two positive cases and clinical symptoms to two positive results two positive results and clinical symptoms which means remember they said asymptomatic people were dangerous and now they're saying that you have to have symptoms and two positive tests to really say that we have a case of covid do you not that's a total reversal bobby total like and and it's a complete and total contradiction to what they're still telling people to, to do to isolate and wear masks well, and then the the local uh, propaganda outfit, COVID, the Utah coronavirus propaganda Twitter account, says that even if you've been vaccinated, you need to continue to socially distance, wear a mask, isolate, just the same old the same old tap dance, regardless of your uh, vaccination status. Which to me is an admittance of two things: one, they're admitting that the vaccine doesn't work, or that they don't know if it works. Well, that's the reason why they're do, they're releasing the uh, PCR test guidance because this is a, a bad cold. It, it's it's a right. worse worse than normal, like a once in a decade, once in every two decades type of a cold. That's the best I can tell after all the extensive 
research that I've personally done with the numbers, like brain damaging type of research. It appears there has been excess death, a lot of it caused by the state reaction. Most of it in the spring Most of it last to, year. Most of it to old people uh, who would uh, normally be susceptible to a once in a two decade right. type of a, or once a, once in a decade type of a seasonal illness. But, and, and it may very well have been invented in a lab in China because, you know, I had it and I had the whole sense of smell and taste thing for two months. It seems to be the only it's sort like, of outlying sy- symptom. The only consistent one. Like a lot right. of people will say, oh, I had this COVID toes thing or this heart hurt thing or whatever. And I gotta, I have to remind people cons- constantly that, hey, you're getting older. People are getting older. They have health conditions every year. Just because you felt this this year doesn't mean it was COVID. And, right. and, and there's so many, such a variety of symptoms people are coming up with. We can't say that correlation equals causation here. The second thing that... So, well, the, the point I wanted to make is that the PCR test changes coincide directly with the release of the vaccine. So, and, and of course, the election of Joe Biden. So it's possible here there's there, the selection. Yes, thank you. Uh, it's possible that there's a move here to try and attempt to say we beat the virus via these measures. Absolutely. The second thing that the U- Utah Coronavirus Task Force propaganda channel is admitting is that th- they are admitting that this is not going away anytime soon. These these masks and social distancing, even with the drop in cases. Right. But they're also very uh, quick to point out that vaccines are safe and effective. And I watched Hamlet. Uh, the Mel Gibson version over the five-day weekend. And she doth protest too much, methinks. Right. <laughs> so getting back to the weekend, the, the guy... Okay, we're back on track. So he, so in this, in this halftime show, and we'll, we'll get back onto the... We'll start at the beginning of the show, but we talked about the masks. He has these weird burn victim masks in, the, in his show. He wore the same outfit down to the shirt and tie and everything, to a, a media appearance, uh, an award show or something, wearing these these bandages, these post-surgery bandages. Somehow he was doing this to make make a statement. I don't know what the statement was. I didn't. I like I said, I'd never heard of this guy. I'd never heard of her. I, uh, I'm a little bit out of the loop, I guess. But let's start at the beginning of this Super Bowl production which was full of a lot of social justice messaging. Um, they, they created, they created a, a fake Vince Lombardi who gave a speech, and they twisted that into being uh, a racial justice, systemic justice, systemic racism speech that they, they put up against uh, images of football players wearing helmets with, people's names on the back of them with uh, nurses, masked up nurses crying and holding, you know, hugging each other. They, they, they took Vince Lombardi and they politicized Vince Lombardi, who is a great football coach and has been dead for many, many years, but they... He's rolling over in his grave. They created, they created this deep fake version of him. Made him made him look. If you didn't know who it was, you might think it was a real person. Now, in some of the shots, he looked pretty clearly CG, but some of them you didn't. He didn't, and it was a really strange, uh, strange. So I didn't see that. That was the start. Yeah, it was before the game. 
And then after that, Joe Biden came on with Jill Biden, his wife. And this was also projected in the stadium. So this is like the Wizard of Oz. That's another thing uh, we've seen recently in my family. The Wizard of Oz, if you remember Dorothy and all the gang show up into the big uh, court chamber and he's projecting an image of his head with smoke and mirrors and things right. onto the with fire and stuff like that. So is that the way that Biden came out? No smoke and fire, but yeah, but a but big, a big, a big, screen, a big head, a big screen. <laughs> They're sitting on a couch. It was framed really weirdly as someone with a film and photography background. The framing was really off where Joe Biden, the president of the United States was almost having his, his shoulder cut off out of the frame which I just thought so was somebody just, was taking this with their cell phone or something. I hope not. I mean, they, they've got the budget. I just thought it was bad framing. Anyway, sitting there next to Jill and they, they deliver a message, which she delivers the bulk of, which I found interesting because well, he's got I don't know that he something. could make it he's through, got dementia. but the, they take a moment of silence. They forced a moment of silence onto the Super Bowl for all the people who have died of COVID which is the second time Joe Biden has done that. He did it at the inauguration as well. And then they tell everybody to get the vaccine and mask up. So it becomes a big pharmaceutical advertisement yeah. for Pfizer, for Moderna, for Johnson & Johnson. AstraZeneca. And then, uh, then they, they play the game. Now, reports are that in the stadium, that when he came on, that the people in the stadium booed (laughs) (laughs) which is interesting because if if i understand correctly the people in the stadium were first responders who were specially or specifically invited to the game it wasn't open to the public there were twenty five thousand ish people which is a big which is a big crowd big crowd for for the covid era yeah and there were thirty thousand cardboard cutouts that (laughs) people did they have fake crowd noise they probably did, but the these thirty thousand cutouts uh, were available. To, you could purchase one for a hundred dollars and send your own image in. Oh, had I known that, I might have sent in a, a a message. You know, my image might have said something like, "Free the face," <laughs> or I don't know. I don't. I don't think it'd be worth a hundred bucks. <laughs> And the chance of it showing up on television. So that nil. you would send them a, a headshot, and they would superimpose it on a dummy. Yeah, a, a cardboard a cut flat car, cardboard cutout. If you see, if which have been common in in the sports uh, games this year, I don't know if you've seen those, but the NBA has them. Major League Baseball had them all summer long. Hmm. Really kind of bizarre. And I went to a local. I went to. We've told people where we are. Do they put the like the N, NPC character? You should put it like an NPC head. You remember the NPC yeah, meme with right. the gray, orange man bad, and then yeah. all the gray people, right? Yeah, we got to make a note to link to that. That was a great. I game. went to a football game here in Utah. Went, I went to a college football game, and um, they made us spread out. I think the stadium holds more than sixty-five thousand people, and they had I think six or seven thousand. But I was sitting next to next a cardboard to a cutout, cutout <laughs> of Steve Young. Oh, Steve Young was in, in NFL. the in the yeah. seats. How many times was he in the seats? Like, did they have like fifty? I don't or know. I, I only saw the one. The the funny thing was, is it was a it was a picture of Steve Young in his 49ers uniform, like running. Like, like oh. <laughs> it wasn't just a portrait. So he was like, so I I sat next to Steve Young. Okay, at the football game. Anyway, we have we have gone down. 
Okay, so now we're talking about cutouts because we 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 got into the start of the Super Bowl, right? And then and Tom then they Brady played. The, I guess I had forgotten they had said this, but I I guess what the song that her played. That just sounds Who? like I have bad grammar. Yeah. Say that again. The song that her played was maybe the Black National Anthem. Do you remember that being a, a thing? That I don't know, but gonna... do you know her pronouns? I because think the, her the, goes by he. Wait a minute. Him. Do you know the pronouns of the her? I don't. <laughs> okay. We've, we've destroyed our language, uh, or they're trying to destroy the language. So then there's the game. The commercials were blasé and boring and a lot of social justice, and we were told by Jeep to using Bruce Springsteen uh, that we need to be united. And they show Bruce Springsteen praying in a church, which is probably something he's never done. And then they celebrate the reunited States of America, which I found a, a disturbing message because, again, it goes back to Joe Biden's inaugural speech that now that I'm here, we can be reunited. And as long as all of you go along with what I say we won't crush your neck with this boot that we have on your neck. We'll keep the boot there, but as long as you hold still and behave, we won't crush your face and your neck with this boot. Anyway, halftime of the Super Bowl, and the weekend is the entertainer. If you haven't watched the halftime show, go look it up. It's on YouTube, of course. You know, this is going to be heavily promoted. <clears throat> the Pepsi halftime show and uh, take a look at it. So the halftime show begins with uh, a dark screen, except for the name of the stadium lit up, which confused me because I didn't know who Raymond James was. Yeah, I thought that was the singer. I was Googling Raymond James lyrics. Raymond James, who sponsors the stadium. So it's Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play, which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their home stadium, and they were the visitors. <laughs> they had to wear their visitors' jerseys. Anyway, Raymond James is a like a uh, an investment bank type, Merrill Lynch type, Charles oh, okay. Schwab. Anyway, I, I learned that yesterday. Does that mean he's not a real person? I don't know who he is or who he was, but the screen is dark except for the name of the stadium, which from a show business standpoint, really distracted me from the, from the show because it was the only thing that you could see. Yeah, you're like, okay, we're looking at the Raymond James uh, singer. Right. That's what I thought. So the screen is dark, and there's some, some singing. It's, uh, it's religious-type singing. It's like a, a choir. choir. It's a choir singing. And the darkness parts to create a column of light well before this an angel an angelic type figure descends from the sky a kind of a, an angelic robotic and of course we're going to link to a video you can right. google this up or duck, duck, but, go but it the up. symbolism is right off the bat yeah, so you've got it's somebody coming down so you have a choir singing the members of this choir are wearing choir gowns and they have glowing eyes. They have demonic glowing Red eyes. eyes. This figure comes down out of the sky. And as he does so, a pillar of light opens. A column of light opens in the darkness. Behind, in the stadium. Like, it's like the, it's like the, uh, the seats 
or the stadium parts and there's this right. hallway of light that, that opens up like a portal of light. And out of that light comes Raymond the, the weekend. Raymond James. <laughs> I thought it was Raymond James. <laughs> I thought it was <laughs> But no, it's the weekend. <laughs> okay. The weekend. This and is like an episode of Who's on First. Keep in mind here that none of us, n- we're not making any judgments on the weekend and his character or anything like that. We don't know who he is. But we're talking about symbols here. And, and, and what you see. What, it, what, what, you what see. does the public see? What is that 100 million times... Uh, Hundred million eyes multiplied by whatever uh, loss in viewership they had this year because of the wokeness. Right. So out from the light comes the weekend, dressed in uh, a black tie, a black shirt, black pants, and a red uh, suit coat. So the imagery right there, black and red. You have a chorus of demons singing this man's praises, and they're in white. They're in white. You but they're very the, subdued. And you have the fallen angel who kind of, it's implied or maybe uh, uh, suggested that that fallen angel is the weekend, you know, so because the, the angel kind of disappears into the light and out comes. Yeah, it's more like an archetypal image because it's, in some cases, you'll see these uh, artists will come down themselves. They'll like, they'll like, be dropped in. I think Lady Gaga did that in yeah. the Super Bowl. But in, in this case, it wasn't. He wasn't actually dropped in. He comes out of the portal of light. From a production standpoint, it was a pretty mellow show. It didn't have a lot of. It didn't have multiple artists for one. It didn't have a whole bunch of different stages and settings. It was kind of low key, but still the symbolism was there. Um, did you find? Were you going to look up some of the lyrics of the song? Yeah, well, there was the "I can't feel my face when I'm with you" song. There were two. There were two songs I recognized. So I was I was kind of surprised because I was thinking uh, this Raymond James guy. I've never heard of him. And uh, <laughs> that's because he, he's a financial but, advisor. Yeah, and then, and then he does the "I can't feel my face" song, and so I recognized that. And then there was the last song, which is titled um, "Blinding Lights." So the I can't feel my face with I'm when I'm with you, but I like it. That's that's often thought to be like a meth song, right? Isn't that a characteristic of people who are uh, go to these raves and um, take methamphetamine? They can't feel their uh, like it deadens the feeling, and so they're and it deadens their senses, so they're very subdued and and uh, can't feel. Is that is that or is that not a symptom of uh, it, taking? It sounds that? like it is. I, I I'm not too in, into the rave culture. See, I can make things sound <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I know meth has a terrible impact on people's teeth. <laughs> Your teeth could fall out. Yeah. Uh, after a short time on methamphetamines. Right. Or crystal meth. Do people still call it crystal meth? So if you just look up, yeah, no, I don't think so. That's like old yeah d- d- that demonstrates you're really an old person <laughs> but yeah just quick google of this it uh what does can't fill my face by the weekend mean and um just people are talking about the idea that it it means he's using drugs and he's numb you know the worst is yet to come or whatever so you know we I guess we don't need to get into that, but that 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 song was one that I recognized, and 
then the the last one, which I didn't know the name of it or anything, I couldn't have quoted any lyrics, but I quickly jotted down the last the last words I heard him sing, which were, let's see, I'm blinded by the lights. No, I can't sleep until I feel your touch. And then they kind of fade it out and and go on. And this song is really interesting because it talks about looking around Sin City, cold and empty. No one's around to judge me. I can't see clearly when you're gone. Oh, I'm blinded by the lights. No, I can't sleep until I feel your touch. I'm drowning in the night is the next line. So th- you you have, uh, and he goes on, he says, I'm running out of time because I can see the sunlight uh, in the sky above. This is This is overtly... Uh, hermetic or esoteric language. Now, let, let me just jump into a quick, I'll try to be really quick here, a quick overview of w- what hermeticism is and just help you understand that there's there's this, uh, th- there, there really are a set of symbols that have been in use um, in the world for a long, long time, and the most basic of those are light and darkness, right? Light and darkness. Light is, of course, um, symbolic of the good guys, <laughs> and darkness is symbolic of the bad guys, or light for God and darkness for the devil, right? So the very beginning of the Bible talks about God uh, looking out across the void, and um, you know, there's really nothing the Spirit of God moves upon the waters, and God says, let there be light, and there was light. And then he separates the light from the darkness. So th- this th- this idea that symbols mean something is 100% absolutely factual, correct reality. And the idea that there is a there is a narrative battle going on is reality. And the narrative battle is between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And the narrative issue, the thing that's at issue is what is the actual narrative? Who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? And what, what scholars call the question of theodicy. Theodicy means the justice of God in Greek. But the, the question is, why would such a, a loving, good God put us here in a hellish world like this where there's so much suffering and death and destruction, we can't remember anything? And the narrative battle is over whether the good gods or the bad gods are responsible for that death, destruction, and loss of memory, and uh, who who are the ones that are trying to save us from that, and who are who are the ones that are um, really working for our betterment, and so that's the that's the way I would frame the the narrative battle, and it's really really important to recognize that there is a narrative battle going on. Well, uh, Hermeticism derives its name from Hermes, the Greek messenger god. And if you study this material, there's a concept called syncretism, which means that ancient religions share the same concepts and they share the same functional uh, beings, gods, because the same entity can have multiple personas. It's, it's kind of a, uh, or multiple offices or titles or wear many hats is the way we would put it in our, in our modern vernacular. So just because you see in ancient mythology a, 
um, different gods, it doesn't mean that some of those gods aren't the same person performing different functions. And so this is, okay, I'm really opening up the huge can of worms here, but I think it's really important because uh, this all derives from the battle between the gods of dark and light, and it all has to do with the creation of this world and why we're here and what we're doing here in this world and how do we how do we gain greater enlightenment how do we get out how do we reconnect with the gods do we even need to do anything should we, should we even be paying attention you know what why are we here these are what uh professor nibley called the terrible questions who am i where did i come from why am i here and where am i going and they are terrible questions because anybody who really starts to look into their soul and go, I really don't know that, but I really care about that. You you can really be lost and, and depressed. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a huge struggle. And it's, it's the search for the answers to the, those questions that I think brings us into contact with the divine, with Christ, with, with the gods, with, with light. And um, so anyway, the point is that since time immemorial, since the very beginning, there have been these myths, these rituals, these soci- these societal-wide stories, these narratives that are very similar throughout the world. And there are, there are a lot of prominent scholars from about, uh, you know, the end of the 19th century to the mid-20th century, like Nibley. Uh, another one is uh, uh, Joseph Campbell. Another guy's name is Marcia Eliotti. There's a guy named Fraser that wrote a book called The Golden Bough. These guys wrote about comparative mythology because they they realized that all of these stories come from a similar root, and they usually trace them back to to the Egyptian uh, mythology when it really comes down to it. But Hermes, the Greek messenger god, he is he shows up in all these cultures, and he shows up by different names, but he has the same function, so we can think of him as the same person. He in Roman mythology is Mercury, okay. In Egyptian mythology, they called him Thoth, or that could be pronounced Chihuti, Tehaoti, uh, if you pronounce all of the, the letters in there. So he's often re- uh, talked of as Thoth because that's how we'd pronounce T-H-O-T-H in, um, in modern English. Yeah, so, so but in, in the Hebrew uh, pantheon, in the, in the Hebrew system, cosmology, Thoth is Enoch. That's an important concept because there is a book of Enoch and it, it's actually referenced in the Bible. And Hugh Nibley wrote a lot about it. The, the point of the book of Enoch is it discusses the issue of theodicy and it attributes all of the problems in this world to the watching angels who followed the devil, a guy named Azazel, and they caused this creation to be uh, thrown out of whack. It's a little bit different than the Adam and Eve story where Eve, the woman, takes a bite of the apple and, oh, they, they do something and they, they cause the, the world to fall. Well, let me cite your mind back to the Super Bowl halftime show when right before the weekend comes out, Raymond, Raymond James, as I like to call him, <laughs> there's a falling angel, a descending angel. This angel comes down and then just kind of goes away. But that's your starting point. It's like, oh... You're in a fallen world, and uh, the the opening up of the 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 light portal is a direct reference to the tree of life, the uh, what uh, Ma, um, Mormon esoterics might call the Kai Ivanresh light tunnel, 
these are the, the fiery conduits that connect the world. You see this in, sorry, they connect the worlds of the cosmos and the, or the worlds of progression, as Joseph Smith might call them. And you see this in the Norse mythology and in the Avengers movies. It's called the Bifrost. It's that rainbow bridge upon which the uh, Asgardians travel from world to world. And th- uh, Thoth, um, uh, Thor, Thor, who is syncretous in Norse mythology with the Egyptian Horus, C-T-H-O-R is a, is a, a derivative of Hor, H-O-R, which is a shortened name for Horus in Egypt. He, so he's the, the, Christ, the heavenly Christ figure. Uh, he explains it to his girlfriend, Jane, in the first movie. He draw, he, she's got all these worlds on, in her notebook, and he connects them. He says, this is the, these are the branches of the tree Yggdrasil, the tree of the world. This is how my father explained it to me. And the Bifrost connects them. And so what they do is they walk into a spherical chamber with a man named Heimdall, who is the cherubim with the flaming sword. He literally plunges a flaming sword into, his mecha, into this uh, mechanism of light, and it creates these these channels of light everywhere in this rainbow bridge and its course the rainbow bridge is uh, symbolic of light it's it is light it's just showing you all the colors of light and then they transit the cosmos through through these um, the light branches of the tree of life the tree of Drossel. and so the, what I'm trying to point out here is that it's all syncretous there's these similarities between these religions because they all come from this this battle over narrative where the early um, the early good guys, the priests, the, the uh, followers of the great gods had set forth the narrative in their temple ceremonies and they, they're trying to explain, hey, here's what you guys are caught up in and there's going to be, you're going to encounter the light and the darkness and these are the different personalities you're going to encounter. So, so uh, Hermes is the Greek version of Thoth, and Thoth is the, the Egyptian version of Enoch, and Enoch is the guy who defeats Azazel and the watching angels who corrupted the creation at the time of the flood, and you all remember the story of Enoch and his city being lifted up to the sky, and, and then the, the destruction at the time of Noah. Anyway, he, he defeats these guys who had corrupted the world, who had caused it to fall, and he also is responsible for having brought the temple knowledge to mankind, or the, or in fact, in the book of Enoch, he's responsible for bringing all of the important sciences to mankind, whereas the, the watching angels, they brought it out of season, and they corrupted the knowledge and used it for their own personal gain. Enoch brings it in the appropriate manner, and he teaches mankind in, in, in an enlightened way. So Enoch, uh, or Thoth in, in Egypt, is represented by Hermes, and so therefore, in the Renaissance, um, at the time of the Medici family, this is the 1400s, there was a guy named Ficino who was being sponsored by the Medicis, and he runs into this Corpus Hermeticum that had survived in the uh, Byzantine Empire, the, uh, the Ottoman Empire, the, uh, you know, it was the uh, Arabs that had kind of kept this alive, and also found some of it in the Greek later, he, he translates this Corpus Hermeticum, which is essentially the works of one guy they called Hermes Trismegistus, Hermes three times great. And he, of course, is Thoth or Enoch, and so he's a, he's a good guy, and he brings this higher knowledge to mankind. And so they were very interested in understanding what this, what this 
uh, all the material related to this this godly character, and so it gets the name Hermeticum or her, Hermeticism gets attached to the study of this material related to Hermes, and it's all very esoteric, very symbolic, very allegorical material relating to the narrative of why you're here, what who who's involved in the battle, and you know what what's going on with the different forces what what the cosmos really looks like what that unseen world looks like that those of us that are recognize that we are spiritual beings you know we 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 contemplate this we wonder about it it's mysterious to us and so the the corpus hermeticum uh as it has survived we don't know really how accurate it is because it's been through plenty of plenty of hands but it 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 contains information about this and it contains uh sort of an invitation to look at things in a symbolic manner, to look at things in the way that Egypt looked at looked at things, at, rather than in the orthodox, structured, literalist, linear type of a way that we've all been taught. If you come from a Protestant or a Catholic background or a Mormon background, we've we've sliced and diced and and um, stratified teachings coming out of the Bible, the New Testament, to mean very specific things, and. You know, we 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 really limited ourselves. We've we've limited our our minds because we we basically teach each other that we know everything about it, and that the only thing you're supposed to do is follow a checklist. Um, we kind of talked about this last week when we were talking about sin and repentance, or hamartia and and metanoia. And you know, I I I had to put a little note on the uh, on the website because I made a comment about you know smoking and drinking and. Uh, you know, youthful indiscretions. And, and then I went on to talk about lying, cheating, stealing, and, and adultery and said, if you do that stuff, you're evil. Don't be evil. You can stop. Well, <laughs> I have to, I have to uh, qualify those comments because, you know, the, the checklist, I, 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 didn't, I certainly didn't mean to say that if you smoke and drink <laughs> that you're evil or that if you've lied that you're evil. Uh, if you're intentionally lying and stealing from lying to people and stealing from people, then you're definitely not on the right track. But we, we all make those mistakes. And that was my point is that we, we, we do these things that uh, are indicative of being in darkness because we don't have, have understanding. And that doesn't make us evil. That just means we've missed the mark, especially the things, you know, uh, that, that don't cross the really big lines. I think things like adultery, when you've made an agreement with someone that's that's a big line to cross and you shouldn't do that but uh i I certainly don't want any of our audience who's uh you know doesn't believe in the mormon the current mormon interpretation of the word of wisdom (laughs) which says don't smoke and drink to think that i think you're you're evil or anything like that that's uh that's not what i meant i i meant that uh religions tend to slice and dice stratify codify create a law and then men can judge you and say you are good or you are bad because you follow my checklist. And that's not at all what we're talking about. When we're talking about uh, these uh, Renaissance hermeticists like Ficino, uh, Da Vinci, and, and the guys that followed them, the point is they were interested in higher knowledge and the, the details of, of, you know, somebody's indiscretions here in this world that are not the major ones 
it's like, like killing people is not a good thing, okay? <laughs> I, de- I definitely won't, don't want you to think you can do whatever you want in this world. The point is God will judge you, and you have to connect with God and, and try to be uh, divine in the way that... Uh, The way that you, the the best way that you possibly can. It's not. It's not an invitation to just do whatever you want. Well, that's what hermeticism teaches. Is it teaches uh, individuals about where they come from, where they're going, why they're here, very specific details about the cosmos and about the the gods in the heavens, who 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 they might need to connect with. It teaches about wisdom figures, the women, the, the, the divine goddesses and, and the functions of these, these players in the cosmos and how they interact relative to the war that's going on between, between the gods of light and darkness. And so there are a great many symbols, and this is what I'm getting at. There's a great many symbols and a great many happenings that, that get portrayed in different ways, like the, the Bifrost in the Norse mythology that then get reused in modern culture. So we've seen, um, I, I mentioned the Avengers pick this symbolism up. The, the 23 Avengers movies are a very detailed inversion of the hermetic material, meaning they are portraying the bad guys as the good guys. And I don't want to get too deep into that, but in Avengers, Thanos, many, uh, many people who study this will know that, for example, Thanos, he is he has some of the functions or uh, features of a Christ figure. He, he ends up in a garden. They even call the planet that he ends up on the garden, and, they, and uh, he looks out over his creation, and he smiles, and he has, he's become ascendant and gotten all the infinity stones and gone through six periods of creation, right, with the six infinity stones. So he, uh, so he takes on this, uh, the form and function of a Christ character, and, and there's a heck of a lot of detail we could get into here, which I will skip. But that's just a good example of where they've taken that and they've inverted it, and then they, they make all the, the Avengers, who are uh, embodiments of the Watchers, the fallen angels, they make them the good guys. So there, there's one example. Well, it, it's common in, uh, in pop culture to see these hermetic symbols used in an inverted manner, especially right now in our day. Uh, about 100 years ago, it wasn't as common. Uh, Disney, some of Disney's early work was very, very hermetic, like the Pinocchio story. Um, you've got Cinderella, you've got Sleeping Beauty. There's, you've got all kinds of stuff in, in the Disney, er, the early Disney works. I think bringing up Pinocchio is a great kind of... Uh, uh, juxtaposition of kind of where Disney was and where they are now, because Pinocchio is a fantastic progression story about the the nature of man and how we become, you know, a, a real person. Yeah. Or in other words, an, an ascended, you know, divine person. But that is the reality. That's right. Because we we're we're in the false reality right now. We're in the fallen world. We're, we're, we, if we, if we're talking about Pinocchio, we, we basically spend our lives on Temptation Island mm-hmm. being sold lies and, and, uh, being told that our nature and our destiny is something that it's not. We're, we're becoming jackasses. Right. And he, and the story is great because he, right at the verge of where there's no return, he chooses to be a real boy. He chooses to be a real person and not go the route of the, the jackass. We should have a whole 
episode on Pinocchio. It's, <laughs> it's one of my favorites, and yeah. there's so much sy- symbolism and allegory in Pinocchio. So, so anyway, I was just saying that it's fl- it, things things have started to be inverted in like the last. 50, maybe 40 years in our lifetimes, we've seen an inversion because because things were more pure when we were younger and now they they appear to be inverted. The Star Wars story was one that got wildly out of whack. I wouldn't necessarily call it inverted. It was like they just broke. Like we we're in our efforts to be woke, in our efforts to show certain people that we don't like the old story, we're going to just screw all this stuff up. And so they really blew it because the whole Ray story misses so many of the the right the the things that resonate with people in the hero's journey that it just it's just well, Ray, not a good story. Ray has no journey. When we meet Ray, she's immediately awesome at everything. She knows how to fight. She knows how to fight with multiple weapons. She knows how to fly spaceships and repair spaceships. She knows how how to fix droids. She knows all of these things being a a, a young you know outcast on some outcast planet mm-hmm. how did she learn all of these things who taught her these things right so if we if we were to compare the the new star wars stuff the force awakens stuff with um say a feast if if the hermetic story is a true feast with with nourishing food and good very tasty food that tastes delicious to us right uh it's like the it's like the star wars story they throw out what appears to be similar food, they just dump it all on the table in a, in a haphazard manner. So that, that those are your symbols. They're all just intermixed. You see them. You see the some really cool stuff mixed with some really strange things, and then it's all like prepackaged prepackaged Nabisco uh, lunchables, and you're supposed to have this really great feast and it just, they just blow it, you know? So it's hard to even make any sense of that. But the, but the Avengers stuff is a, is a very purposeful inversion. Like they're, they're saying something. It's like in the movie hook when they have that great feast, but it's all imaginary. Oh (laughs) yeah. So again, we, we've made this point before, but nothing in these movies is, is accident. These these are deliberately worked out. They're they people spend, spend a lot of time. People spend time, hours and hours and hours, going through these scripts, and then the production, uh, the set design, the dialogue, the costuming, the music. It's all very very well coordinated, and nothing is accidental. There might be some serendipity, but nothing is accidental. And if you've ever if you've ever if you ever created anything, say uh, uh, say you've written something or made a movie, you know, or a song, you might look back at it a few months or years later and realize that how you were feeling or who you were at that time comes out in that, even though you didn't mean it, because it's it's part of you. Um, it's why you know an artist might release a song or or a movie or something. And people interpret it and say all of these things. And the artist might say something like, I didn't intend any of that. I, I didn't intend it to be symbol- but it, symbolic. But it comes out s- through the subconscious, right? Because it's right. resonant with us because it's from where we really come from. And so I think in the case of a, a movie where there's so many moving parts and so many different people involved, some of this is deliberate, but a lot of it just comes out because, I, because again, that narrative, that prevailing narrative, or I should say that narrative is prevalent in Hollywood. 
uh, the, it always this, has been this prevalent. inversion narrative of darkness being light yeah. and light being darkness. Now, Hollywood is really good at telling stories. They're really good at telling some feel-good stories that make you feel great. And sometimes they, sometimes I think there's movies out there that are just it, totally innocent and fine. And there's others, like the Avengers, that have a more a more sinister message. Well, this, Hollywood evolves out of uh, the troubadour tradition from the uh, Renaissance era, I guess. What happened was the Catholic Church. This is probably, I guess, the troubadour tradition is earlier than that. It's more like uh, post Knights Templar, but. Well, I guess I got to take that back. It might be more contemporary with the Knights Templar. So we're talking about a thousand AD. What happened is the Catholic Church gained great influence in the world, and they have their liturgy, they have their their ceremony and stuff, and and the the story was always told in a ritual temple ritual type of a format. Well, when the Catholic Church gained prominence and kind of got control of it, they then created an orthodoxy and they clamped down on the the narrative and. Uh, really limited people's ability to expand their minds and limited access to the material and change the change the material it's a it's a perversion and this is this has happened throughout history the the uh, there's an ebb and flow in the battle between the uh, high priests of good and the high priests of bad so you're saying the people who own the power structure silenced and limited information that the public had access well, to. Well, not just that, they co-opted it, and that's what I'm getting at, because see, Hollywood comes out of this, This, uh, so yes, but, but... So where have we, where do we see that right. every Ho- day? <laughs> Hollywood comes out of this tradition where uh, the, the movies that you see are literal uh, derivations, the, the plays, uh, all of that is a derivation of the ancient temple ceremony when the narrative of the struggle between dark and light, the hero's journey, was always played out in, in a ritual right. dramatic format, and then it it gets uh, more diffuse and spread out and, and, and used in different ways in different cultures. But uh, the troubadours had uh, a goal to tell the story of the true gods of the cosmos right under the nose of the Catholics at the time of, say, the Inquisition, you know, when it was really... Um, the stakes were high. The stakes were high, yeah. And so, this, like, Robin Hood and Maid Marian come out of this. You've got a Jesus and a Mary Magdalene figure that, that, that get told in this, in this story that everyone thinks is just this fun story about England, right? The, that, that idea of the union of the great divine feminine and the divine masculine gods is, is integral to this hermetic story or this, this ancient uh, religion that, that our, all, all of these comparative mytho- mythologists have talked simplifying about. Simplifying of the Robin Hood story uh, can, be, can be placed at the feet of Disney yet again. Yeah. Because the most popular telling of that story is Robin Hood is a fox— yeah. You know, they've, they've, they've made everybody animal characters yeah. and they've made it song and dance. And, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's fine. It's fun. And Prince John is a snake. No, yeah. no, it's not. A, uh, is John a snake? Yeah, he is. Yeah, but. And Richard's a lion. Richard is a lion because they want to portray yeah. him as, as noble and, and yeah. fierce and brave. Yeah, and John's a snake. Just And that's very, very have, much related uh, to the. Sheriff of Nottingham, I think, is a big fat rat. Yeah. But the snake is intentional because that's, sure. of course, related to the to the uh, the the Jewish Garden of Eden story, where um, the serpent the serpent is me. beguiling uh, Eve. Yeah, but 
so so here we see, here we see the symbols and the fox is smart the fox is the fox right. is wisdom you have a wisdom and a truth character the, so, because divine wisdom is generally associated with uh, f- femininity. If you don't believe me, go read Proverbs, where it refers to wi- uh, wisdom as a feminine mm-hmm. uh, characteristic. She is greater than fine rubies. Uh, she is a tree of life, Proverbs chapter 8. And uh, the masculine is truth or knowledge, right? So those two in the foxes is very appropriate. Right. So, so here, let me, let me quick, I know, I, 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 once again, I've, I've gone way too far giving well, this is a lot of explanation. This is, though, the, it's important because it lays a foundation for why, because a lot of times when you say things like, oh, the Super Bowl halftime show is symbolic of this, this, and this, people roll, roll their they eyes. They roll their eyes at they you. They, they literally don't want to talk about it's it. It's just a show. It's just a music. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the, the London and they just do the this for shock value. ceremony was just a, a brief history I, of England. Right. And I don't, I don't, I can't understand how, how people are always telling me it's just shock value. It's shock value. They do this to shock you. Sure. No, they, that's what hypnotists do. They shock you. And then they in, induct into your mind. They, they, uh, induct, they inject into your mind something they want to tell you after they've right. shocked you. So what are they trying to tell us? Okay, well, let, before, I, before we do that, I got to make the connection here between the Renaissance to our modern day, because you, you've got Hollywood as a dever, derivation of the telling of the story, and we've talked about how Disney used to tell the story right, and there's a reason why all these great hero's journey stories are told and, and, and the people love them, because they are resonant. They, they do resonate with who we are inside. That's everybody connects with that because that's the story of the cosmos it's the true story that there's there is light and darkness and there is a hero or you are the hero you each one of us is this hero on a journey and in the process we have to learn we have to level up like we're in a video game or something we have to ultimately fight we fight little battles along the way and we have to fight the big battle with the big bad guy the big big bad boss guy by the way movie recommendation Boss Level is a total hermetic story. Have you seen Boss Level? I haven't. Okay, new new movie that's just come out, and it's about video games and hermetic progression. Okay, I'm it's all like over an, that one. Yeah, it's really really pretty good. Um, it, anyway, uh, if if Disney made Pinocchio today, he would have been a woman. He would have stayed, <laughs> he, or maybe no gender, but he would have stayed on the island, become a jackass, and we would be told that that... Jackasses are good. <laughs> that is... There is nobility in becoming a jackass who lives a life of debauchery. Right, and, and we're using the word jackass because this is a family program. Literally. This is, this is a donkey. You, you all know that in Pinocchio, he becomes a donkey. That's a, another term for a donkey is a jackass. Right. Okay. So back to the, back to the Renaissance. But that itself is a symbolic thing in the, in the film, too. Yes, for sure, becoming a a brain, 100%. A brain, yeah, a brain jackass, jackass. Yeah. And, and meaning these 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 young men that go onto that island, they have their divine nature, their humanity stripped away from them, and they trade it for the, uh, for pleasure, for for food and drink and games and fun, and they're 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 deceived by these con men who lure them onto the island with promises of 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 wealth and fortune and fame and a good time. It's the eat, eat, drink, and be merry. Those young men lose their humanity, and in doing so, they forfeit their divine inheritance. Pinocchio is able to recognize that with the help of of the cricket. Right, and they literally have What's a Jonah, uh, Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. They literally have a Jonah inside the whale episode. Right. 
And by overcoming that, by overcoming the fallen world, Pinocchio Pinocchio not only reclaims his humanity, but achieves his true nature, which is to be a, a real boy. Of course, it's far more important and more symbolic than that. It's he he becomes a divine. He recognizes his divine potential. His divine potential, yeah. and and lays claim to that divine inheritance. Yeah, which is again why this. And who, in the end, does it? Is the woman, the the fairy woman, right? I forget right. her name. The wisdom figure. And again, this is why we've been. And I've been harping so much on masks. Masks rem- yeah. remove our humanity. And that's what exactly what you see in the Super Bowl halftime show. So we'll get to that in just a second. The connection I want to make... Let's, yeah, let's make this connection. This connection is that, that out of the Renaissance re- re- uh, evolves a concept of an Illuminatus, the Illuminati. And originally, the idea in Italian of an Illuminati is, or an Illuminatus, is that this is an enlightened person. This is a good thing, like a magus, a ma- the, mag- the magi, the, the magicians. are. It's not some sort of a dark, um, I don't want to use the word occult, because occult just means hidden, but it's not some sort of a dark, devilish type of a thing to have greater knowledge and be able to perform what people consider to be magic or to be illuminated and, and be called an Illuminatus or, or one of the Illuminati. So the, the idea of the Illuminati early on was that this is a good group of people who have greater light and knowledge. And that's what we're all supposed to seek. We're all supposed to be like Pinocchio and recognize we're on the path to being a jackass and turn around and, and recognize our divine potential. And the way that the divine potential is recognized is through the acquisition of wisdom and knowledge. And this is what the Hermeticum teaches us, the, the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus, because he brings the knowledge to mankind. And the knowledge comes from the heavens when, when the initiate, the Pinocchio guy, recognizes he needs it, and then he interacts with truth and wisdom. Now, in Pinocchio, we have the, the fairy, the, the woman. She's obviously the wisdom figure. And Geppetto, who is his Hermes, his Thoth figure. And so they are illuminated. They are Illuminati, these people. And they lead others along the path of illumination. Well, what happens after the Renaissance is that these teachings uh, take root in the more educated areas. people, People who were looking, there were university systems developing and... The, the story, the narrative is very powerful, and so it gets co-opted by evil people towards the... Uh, I mean, it's always been co-opted by evil people, but as relates to, you know, our modern history, it's more the 18, 1900s that we're, we're worried about here. Well, in Mormon theology, the original narrative, the original plan was co-opted when... Lucifer himself tried to co-opt God's mm-hmm. God's presented plan that would send Jesus as the savior. Lucifer said, "I've got a better idea. Let me let me be the guy." 
And so right away, the co-opting of this yeah, Kane, started immediately, Kane tries and to it's never it. stopped. Yeah. It's never stopped. Kane tries to co-opt it, and, and, and this has been the history of the world. You go through what we'd call apostasy and restoration, apostasy and restoration. It goes on and on and on. It happened, uh, happens all the time. It happened uh, after Christ uh, gave his life and, and retook it and ascended. The church went through an apostasy, and then it, it went through through multiple underground apostasies in different areas of the world and plenty of different restorations that uh, that some of us don't recognize. I'm bringing I, this up for the Mormons because the Mormons think that there was a big gap between Jesus and Joseph Smith, but there were plenty of restorations. We just don't recognize them right, because we were looking for... With an reformers. We're looking for an institutional church. People like Martin Luther and uh, yeah. some of the, the others. I think also restoration and apostasy... We think of those as events, and there has been events associated with them, but I think it's an ongoing battle. It's this ongoing info war, this mm-hmm. ongoing war f- between light and darkness that is constantly being being fought. And they're mainly vying to say to to for they're mainly vying for the power to tell what the true story is. That's the that's the thing that's so interesting is it's all about narrative. Why are we witnessing what we're seeing in society today? because of narrative control, because the degradation of the narrative in the last 30 years-ish, 40, 50 years, whatever. So anyway, you got, you got this uh, power struggle. See, the, uh, throughout history, it wasn't just in the Renaissance or in the medieval uh, Western European world that uh, monarchs, kings, the, these certain families claimed the divine right to rule. The divine right of kings goes all the way back to Egypt. The idea that God... Uh, permitted a certain person or family to be the ones that rule is really significant. And up until modern times, the rulers were always the teachers. They got to tell what the narrative was. So that's why it was so important to be the rulers, because you got to be in charge of the narrative. It was your court, your priests, your uh, your people saying what was real. Well, the, the point that I'm making is that in the modern times, the people who desire to rule. They believe that they have this right and the right to to tell what the narrative is and that that right comes from God. And so what you see is a perversion of or a change of, from my perspective, or an inversion in all the symbolism and which gods are the good gods and what uh, which ones should win the battle, which ones get the right to rule, which ones get the right to tell the story, Though they use the same symbols, but then they they invert who who the players are, and you come away with this idea that those people who took over this world are the ones. So these are the fallen watchers. They are the ones we should be listening to. They are the ones that have the light. Now that's exactly what we see in the Super Bowl halftime show with uh, Raymond James here, The weekend, Sorry, Raymond James. I apologize for associating you with this, but your name was right behind all of these goings on. But the, okay, so the, the guy, you get the fallen angel, so we know we're in the fallen world, and then world you, have the op- you have the opening up of the light tunnel, and out comes our prophet, our Enoch figure, our Thoth figure, Hermes. He comes and out. He, he he then begins to evangelize us. He teaches us he, through right. song, and he, he has a chorus behind him. He just comes like out in, with a, a praising choir of yeah. demons, and, and, and it's not it's 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 not covert. It is overt. It's not occult. It's in your face here. There's very many occult symbols 
but it's in your face because they literally are telling you, look at the, look at the choir. We have a choir and we're doing you, we're doing the, the religious music for and you. The choir, it's interesting too. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the stage right now. The choir is, these people are kind of intermixed among this, these sort of neon, kind of a mix between city buildings and what kind of look like tombstones. And then there's there's a little bit of smoke and mist, and then there's red lighting. It's a hellish image. It's it's an it's image, Babylon. It's an image that it looks like you could e- it could easily be uh, s- some sort of uh, uh, storybook depiction of hell. Right, and this is the great city. This is this world. This is a depiction of this world. This world is the world through which we will exist. We will. Uh, we will keep control of this world and we will keep it from being burned in the last days. And we will, uh, out of this, we will create our own version of eternal life here. That's, that's definitely what the rulers of this world intend to do via technology. Another movie recommendation is Transcendence with Johnny Depp in it. If, I don't, have you seen that, Bobby? I have not. I'm Very, a little behind on my movies. Okay, well, I got lots of movie recommendations, but the point is there, there is this idea that we are going to, via our own technology, thwart the plan of God, and we will live forever in our world, this world that we've co-opted. And so that's what you're seeing behind him. Is you, you have the, the chorus, which is very reminiscent of a Catholic choir or a Protestant choir or yeah, a Greek, li- the Greek chorus in the plays. Literally, they're wearing, they're wearing traditional choir robes that you would see in a, in a church choir. Okay, but the chorus, the chorus, the reason the, the Greek plays had a chorus is because it is emblematic of the concourses of angels. Dante sees these when he enters paradisi, paradise, par, paradise. <laughs> he enters paradise in the, in the book Paradiso, and he sees the nine rings of heaven, and there are concourses, circular concourses of all the angels, and of course, we know the angels are praising God and singing and whatnot, so... These, this is the angelic choir. This is, you're, start learning about this. You don't have to take my word for it, but take my word for it. This is very clear and intentional. There's no doubt what they're trying to say here, and it links directly back to the, the, the inhabitants of the real world, the heavens, the one that we were involved in before we came here, before we fell, like the angel comes down. And, and you get this messenger coming out of the light tunnel, so he clearly comes from light or, or the purported uh, higher realms or wherever he comes from. What's interesting is he comes from below. It's not a pillar above, but it's in between Babylon. So it's, there's, there's maybe even an inversion there. But and, well, and they, 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 they have the red eyes and the white they said, robes. The, to put it is just plain, the satanic hellish imagery is, is overt in this production. Right. This is very Matrix-esque. It is, we are the machine, and we have the right to rule you. We have the divine right. We have the higher ground. We are going to not only instruct you, but suck the life out of you, the energy out of you. And that, and that of course, has been happening quite literally over the last year with these COVID restrictions that are, I think, that are just spiritually and emotionally ruining people. Right. So these people that these people that put these restrictions on us and also are the ones that are linked to the producers of say example the uh the weekend's uh halftime show here they believe they own us as if we were cattle. That is part of their um 
part of the perversion of the narrative. Rem- you remember, if you're Christian, that Christ claims to be the good shepherd. And what are we? His sheep. That's It's a flock metaphor. And if there is a good shepherd, there are clearly other shepherds out there, perhaps bad shepherds. Right. And and so they 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 believe they have the right to use us as a herd. That's another metaphor for the machines using farming the humans like batteries in the movie The Matrix. It's the same thing. One thing that the allows the the modern Illuminati to be so successful is that the people don't have a good concept of the abstract symbolic. If if this is new to you, I hope that it's interesting to you because you need to wake up to all the symbols that are around you and recognize that that's the world you live in. It's a very symbolic world and they the symbols are everywhere and they have they have a great deal of power because of the sub- subconscious or spiritual link to the real world. We're witnessing something that's been happening or in progress for a long time, but I think we're witnessing a, I, I won't even say culmination because I think it we, it hasn't culminated, but a, a big overt milestone in the redefining, the redefinition of God to be the state. We talked about this last week. Right. The not, power structure here in this world is God. Right, not just the state as in the government, but, but those who are in control of the state, of the media, of information, of education, of medication, of all of these different things. <laughs> all the Asians. All the Asians, <laughs> not the Asians. All the nations is what <laughs> right. they presume the to control. And we're witnessing, we're, we're living through this to where even in little ways, you see people turning this into their own religion. We've seen it with COVID and masks and the way people talk about belief in science and belief in the scientists as if they are high priests. Well, they're being turned into high priests. That's how they're being, that's how they're being portrayed to us as, as priestly knowledge uh, distributors. As Thoths, as Hermes, as as Enoch figures. And the true messengers are being censored. They're being Mm -hmm. silenced. They're being ignored. They're being mocked. If you, if it's interesting, if you're if you're LDS, you and if you're not LDS, I don't mind telling you this because I don't think it's a secret. But in the Mormon temple ceremony, uh, the man it goes through a creation uh, sequence first, and then it, you get Adam and Eve in the garden. And remember, we've talked about this before. You're you're supposed to, if you're going through as an initiate, you consider yourself an Adam, and the woman considers herself an Eve. If it's a woman that's going through the the initiation. But so, so Adam and Eve watch the creation, they end up in the garden, and then they get kicked out of the garden, they end up in the lone and dreary world, and their, their goal there is to reconnect with the gods that they were connected to in the garden. And the first thing that Adam does is he, he builds an altar and offers prayer, and the first person to appear to him, the first heavenly messenger to come, is Satan. And in the older version of the uh, Temple movie, there's a preacher that comes to him that works for Satan. And he part of the struggle here is for him to discern and recognize he needs to find, quote-unquote, true messengers. Right. The whole point of, of that is the process of finding true messengers in a world full of false prophets and false messengers. 
very convincing false ones. And nothing's changed. Uh, That was true anciently. Right. It's true today in 2021. It's probably even... I don't know. I can say it's more true, but it's more and more difficult. It's more in our to face. Find the true messengers in our day and age. So in this in this halftime show, amongst the cityscape slash gravestone hellscape, there are words. There are words that are written vertically and lit up, and the words are you've got them written down, Jordan. Yeah, I was I was watching this this morning and. Uh, one of the camera angles was really interesting because it seemed to have the words like if you look at the words head on it's not it's not like they, they make a lot of they sense they seem random they seem a little random but and and some of the words like they're 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 supposed to be signs you know like if you're in a big city they're supposed to be reminiscent of signs and advertisements and they're mostly written vertical and some of them don't necessarily say exactly what i'm about to tell you however when viewed from a certain perspective that they really focused on at one point in the thing, they say this, they say, touch you alone long enough. And, and that's interesting. The idea of you being alone is totally relevant right now, but it's also relevant uh, because of coronavirus isolation, but it's also relevant to the fact that that's where Adam and Eve find themselves in what they call the loan and dreary world, at least in the Mormon temple ceremony, they call it the lone and dreary world. But that's, that's, uh, if we're to, if we're to be uh, comparative about this, that's relative to the, uh, the fallen world, the one that, that the, the weekend here, I guess his name's Abel. We should call him Abel. Right. But that, but that would be bad because he's, <laughs> he's in That's, that's interesting. Cause that's an inversion of Abel right there. The, the son of Adam and Eve that was killed by Cain. So, uh, he, uh, anyway, we're in the fallen world, we're in the lone world, and they are telling you, you are alone long enough. I don't know what the long enough really means, but then there's this big touch sign. The, t- the touch sign is probably the most prominent. It's very prominent, easy to read. It's right behind uh, the weekend. So, then he takes this, the, the stage parts again, and the, there's the column yeah, the, of light. The, 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 the stage parts periodically. It keeps coming back and forth. And he takes us, the viewer, into this inner realm with him. Um, and this is when they start singing, I can't feel my face when I'm with you and doing the maskless people, or the mask people, right? Not quite. Well, yeah, yeah, they do. So he takes us into the inner sanctum, and it's... Oh, they've got more words. There's more words in the background. They're harder to read. They keep moving because fast. Because this is a very dizzying, disorienting scene in sort of this sort of uh, a fire hall, of, hall of mirrors. Hall of lights. Tunnel of light. And he's spinning around. The camera's right in his face. It almost looks like he's got a selfie camera, like a GoPro on a selfie stick. Yeah. And he's spinning around. Production-wise, it's a it was a pretty interesting, pretty cool little segue, a little transition they did because it was seamless. But... He's singing right into your face uh, while spinning, and in the background are these lights, and there's these words. There's one I think it says "gone." Hotel. Um, what is that? Does that say hotel? I think it says nothing. Uh, we're trying to look at it in real time, and and, <laughs> and they're really hard to read. I think it says yeah, hotel. No, no, that, no. that's an H. So nothing, feel nothing, feel, feel nothing. nothing. It says feel nothing. 
Yeah, that, but that, of course, that's I can't feel my face, right? There's some... Right. I think that one says gone, and then another one alone. And then these people oh, yeah, come in, this crowd of people come into this area who are banded. They're very chaotic. They're, they're bumping into each other. They're wearing the same things, right? They're, they're wearing the red coat and the black shirt and mm-hmm. tie, and their faces are bandaged as if they're burn victims. Yeah, but I don't think that's it. I think that the faces, because we see this in, there was a Madonna Eurovision thing uh, two years ago where she had people with gas masks, and they kind of look like sheep. Mm-hmm. I think that the symbolism here, and they're, they're chaotic, right? Right. Uh, I think the symbolism is that these are, this, is the, this is the herd. This yeah, is this you is people. Us. This is us, and you're wearing your masks. But it's not just that the masks related to coronavirus. This is how they think of you at all times. Right. We're faceless, useless eaters. Remember, they're they're using the hermetic narrative and hermetic principles, the idea of the divine right of kings or the the uh, idea of the of the right to rule and teach, and they're they're changing it and inverting it. They're 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 taking what is godly. Because God does have the divine right, right? Does not isn't isn't Jesus the divine King? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we see a lot of chaos. There's not a they're bumping into each other, and there there's all this chaos in the light tunnel, and uh, when they get out on the field, there is order. They have an orderly dance. So this is the well, he right there in the light tunnel. He the weekend right in the center of all this chaos. He calls them to order, and they all snap to attention. Oh, okay. So I'm looking at this thinking, okay, this is us. This is the herd, the dirty masses, who, who, when given the truth, when allowed into the inner sanctum, don't understand it or rebel mm-hmm. against it, who kick against the pricks. Mm-hmm. And at his command, everyone's in order. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and this is order out of chaos. This is what they believe they get to do with the herd here in the world. Now, God... In the Hermetic tradition and, and in the Joseph Smithian world, God creates order out of chaos or out of unorganized matter, and that's that's okay. You know, he the the whole point about ex nihilo creation is a big argument between traditional Christians and Mormons. This idea that the world wasn't created created out of nothing, and most Mormons assume that that we're talking about physical matter here, but we're not. We're talking about the mind. We're talking about the essence of man. And the progression of man, the divinity of man, and I mean man and women. But uh, the idea is that God creates order out of chaotic material or out of chaotic intelligence, and he organizes and he, he brings us up to his level, which is very ordered and very powerful. And the, the, uh, the modern Illuminati, the people who presume to rule us, they believe it's their job to, in this world, in the fallen world, that they get to take and make order out of the chaos in this world, which is us, right? Which was the, the faceless, masked people there. And they end up out on the field dancing in order. Before he goes onto the field, the weekend is again And then you got a Tower of Babel. Singing right into our face, and he's ascended. He's no longer on the stage. He's up at the top yeah. looking. First of all, he's looking down on the literal crowd that's there. And, and then the moon comes up. That's a wisdom symbol. He's looking down on these masked people he's up above the the he's up above the choir at this point yeah and there's a lot of light behind him and down on the field aren't they dancing or they're not yet but they're going to and then yeah they end up on the field dancing all these masked figures in you know choreographed dance very very synchronized 
But my point is that they, they've go, they'll go so far, they, they believe they get to create order out of chaos, and the, the powers that be in this world, and they've, they've messaged this in a lot of places, in a lot of movies, in particular, uh, Avengers Captain America Winter Soldier specifically talks about them taking, uh, having the right to create order out of chaos by fomenting chaos to impose their orders. So they right. literally see this is where they depart from the godly side of things. They God does not create the chaos; He organizes chaotic en- entities or intelligences, but they literally cause the chaos so that they can create their new order. So when they're out on the football field, they're all in lockstep like, and in straight lines. And each of these masked figures had a, has a little light in his hand. He's got a little piece of the light that he maybe mm-hmm. took from the tunnel of light. He's got a little bit of the of Right, the but this truth. is the mark of the beast. This is definitely, see, they've got the, the white masks on their forehead, and then they've got the, the, the false light in their hand. And they're all dressed like like the weekend is, but of course his face isn't covered. Now he's done this band this bandaged face thing. That's been kind of his thing for a long time, yeah. showing up at media appearances because of he says the superficiality of Hollywood, and I, I don't know. I, I, he's got some excuse, but obviously it's something he's been he's been planning for a while to use this. And let's imagery. be honest, he didn't. Oh, okay, it goes back to chaos, doesn't it? Yeah, so the dancers go into chaos. And again, we're watching it on quiet mode so we don't get uh, DMCA'd here. But um, there's fireworks. There's this. There's more celebration. It's more of a celebratory chaos, I think. Okay, so, so it wasn't a it And wasn't then they're back chaos. in order. The point, though, here is that the, and I'm just going to say it how I see it, the satanic figure, the Luciferian figure, is controlling these people. And, con- and making sure that they obey and conform to whatever he is dictating that they do. So he says dance, they dance. And then, of course, it's all choreographed. The, the idea here is that you are not an individual. You are not a human being with your own sovereign intellect, your own ambitions, your own ideas, your own ideals. You are a part of the herd. You are meant to be controlled by your betters. And just like Joe Biden said in his inauguration speech, as long as you do what we say, and as long as you conform, we will have unity. Well, unity is an inverted topic and an, an, an inverted idea. It's something that, in again, in Mormon theology, Satan promised unity through conformity and obedience to him. He said, he said, we'll all be unified, but you're going to give away the chaos of your individuality, the chaos of liberty, the chaos of freedom, and the chaos of your own agency and your own ability to choose. You'll all be jackasses, but you'll all be equal jackasses, and no one will ascend to the divine, because if someone ascends to the divine, that means somebody may not, because of our own agency and our own na- the, the nature of of. of of our lives and the nature of, of this, this mortal existence where some people are going to fail. Some people are going to make bad choices. Some people are going to be deceived. And so the idea here is listen, listen to the new religion, listen to the new deities 
and we will all be the same faceless masses doing the same song and dance. That's what I saw out of this that's, Super Bowl uh, halftime show. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I think in the future we can we can discuss some of the nuances between uh, what you're talking about relative to the it's it's the Mormon cause cosmology. Uh, it's actually it's called in uh, scholarly circles you'd call it a titanomachy or a theomachy, where the the it's the war in heaven is what you're talking about. Sure. And uh, I think there's some interesting nuances you might enjoy uh, from the Hermetic tradition relative to uh, Lucifer, Satan, and the fall, and some of his motivations. But in in a nutshell, yeah, we're talking about conformity here, and the the bad guys, the 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 people who don't actually have the true right to rule, they are in, inflicting that conformity upon us. And the, the one thing I wanted to point out is that uh, the weekend here, Abel. He, he may have some, you know, instinctive or intuitive ideas that, that he wants to get out there, like the masking of the face, which is interesting. But I guarantee you, he did not choreograph and produce that whole thing by himself, that he had some... And the fact that the, fact that the same symbols show up in a lot of these halftime shows, has somebody in the NFL has, has or, or in the entertainment community that does this it's like it's like they're handed the script like okay here you're going to do a halftime show but you have to hit these points they know that a lot of eyeballs are going to be on these things and so these these types of things halftime shows the opening ceremonies of the olympics um madonna's ended with the with uh the world on fire and then it said world peace so she had a order out of chaos type of a thing that was 2012 and 2012 was an important year but they're all in, in different ways, talking around the same ideas, and it's all about getting their narrative out there, trying to set the story straight or set, set the story, at least frame it in the way that they yeah, want right. it to be framed. And I think a big part of that narrative is to make sure that you don't, do not feel like an individual with your own value and your own personal hero's journey. They want to eliminate that and make sure that we all feel like like cattle being prodded along with with uh, without any not just that we feel like that but that we behave that, that way that we behave that way that we throw away and, our divine heritage of agency and again it, it brings me back to my uh, this drum that i keep beating like we we are wearing when we wear a mask whether you think it's for virus safety or not when you wear a mask you are admitting that they have this proper authority over you because this mask these mask mandates are coming from governments they're coming from nations they're coming from the high priests of this new religion and you are saying you're what, what they tell you you're saying is that you care about your your fellow uh, neighbors and your, your friends and that you're taking care of each other you know my mask protects you your mask protects me that is a lie it is a medical and scientific lie it is also an emotional lie and a spiritual lie. There's no protection in these. What you're doing is admitting that they have proper the right to tell you what to think over your life. And so when you wear that mask, you're you're going along with the lie. Don't go along with the lie. Now, of course, the mask is just the tip of the iceberg with all oh, of yeah. this. Oh yeah. But it's a very visual 
symbolic iceberg, tip of the iceberg. Yeah, uh, tip of the iceberg. I'll, we're going to link to an article here uh, that talks about a quote by a guy named William Casey, who was the CIA director from 1981 to 1987. He says, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. Now, I've seen That's that That's a quote disputed before. quote, but there, it's... Yeah, there's a lot of uh, contextual evidence supporting the fact that that is actually true. And the article that I've got here is really good. I'll link to. Well, and, and, and ask yourself if there is a disinformation campaign going on. And the answer is unequivocally Yes, right. obviously and it's all, there is. It's about conformity versus agency. A lot of people believe that if you just conform to what the institutions are telling you, then you're choosing the better part. And that that's, you're, you're conforming to uh, these restrictions and that therefore is godly. And that's not necessarily the case. The idea is that truth or knowledge, truth and wisdom shall set you free. And this is, this is very much scriptural. We could spend all day in the next week uh, supporting the fact that it's knowledge that saves a man, it's truth that saves a man, wisdom that saves a man, and uh, that it's the voluntary acceptance via our agency of truth, not being forced into it like w- what's happening with these these masked people, these faceless people on the field where they're f- sort of hypnotized or or conducted by the Pied Piper into this to this this conformity, which is a false uh, inversion of godliness. It's an inversion of godliness. It's not even a false uh, counterfeit. It's it's the it's a literally the it's opposite. the back. It's the opposite of it. The idea is that in order to become something, nobody becomes it without choosing to become it and without paying the price. And that's what's so terrible about the the Ray story in Star Wars is she doesn't have to pay the price. She doesn't have to fight the fight. She doesn't have to go on the journey, and she just automatically is a Jedi. And she, she doesn't even really choose it. She just automatically is. And so right. Luke, through a series of choices and difficult uh, dilemmas, he and, and through a diligent um, training and study, he becomes a Jedi the, the way that a person voluntarily chooses to accept light and knowledge from the higher beings, from the, true, even, from the true messengers. Even Luke who goes through all that process is still Yoda still gets impatient and criticizes him because Luke tries to he tries to, to shortcut the process, shortcut the process and, and he, he pays the price. He for loses doing his so. hand. He, he has to, he feels like he has to go fight Vader too soon, you know, and that's part of the story. Everybody, everybody ends up fighting the adversary on the wrong terms. I think Jordan, we should, I think we should continue this topic next week. I think we'll be talking about this a lot because the idea of narrative control is the main issue here. If you know who you are, or if you have an inkling about who you are, you behave differently. And if if the people thought, if they understood the players, if they understood who was who in the, in the story of the cosmos, in the story of their creation, the, they as the initiate, if they thought in these terms, and if they looked at things symbolically, I think that they would, there would be a, a massive rebellion against the the culture uh the cultural indoctrination that's going on so so we got to talk about this more i think that's good for today uh there'll be a test on this later (laughs) (laughs) no yeah we this is a this is a topic that we we both love it kind of sparked our 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 you know our friendship and our our 
interactions interactions that have led to us recording these conversations so we hope it's interesting for you guys um again uh we we appreciate all of the feedback we've been getting uh if you have feedback let us know uh share this with your friends um share it with with your enemies share (laughs) just share it uh, and get it out there it uh and again we appreciate you guys out there and um we will be back next week where we will uh, continue this conversation and this topic. Yeah. Pay attention. Look for the symbols in your own life. They don't have to be on, uh, they don't have to be something that someone produced. The, the world, the cosmos, the, the creation that you're caught up in sends you messages all the time. Some, some are overt and in your face. Maybe people have experienced, uh, you know, hearing the voice. Uh, others see visions, others have dreams, but, but there are symbol, uh, symbolic representations happening all the time. And sometimes you'll see that you'll recognize yourself caught in the middle of the story. And you need to recognize that because you are the hero. You're the hero of your own hero's journey. You are the, all of the, all of the things that the heroes of myth and legend have to face we each have to face in some way or another. So contrary to what your brothers and sisters and your mom and dad told you, you are the center of your own universe, of your own cosmos. And you have to be that. You have to recognize that and wake up and and play the role. All right. Thank you again, guys. And we will see you next time. Have a great week. This is the Mind Virus Podcast signing off.